the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. to go here on uh, Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than it was on Monday, and kind of a shortened week for some of us. I hope that your company gives you Good Friday off, as our company does. I won't be here for a live show on Monday. Uh, We'll do a best of Dave Ellswick show, so uh, you want to keep that in mind. Uh, looking towards the weekend, looking towards the Easter weekend, of course, churches will, for the most part, uh, not be gathering traditionally in their buildings uh, for worship services, but a lot of them are doing, like our churches, doing large, uh, you know, video webcasts and things of that nature. But looking at Easter, Good Friday is looking to be mostly sunny with a high of 61. Saturday, uh, some scattered thunderstorms around, high of 66. And then Easter, look for kind of continual rainy weather on Easter, uh, 74 degrees for our high. Today, uh, sunny skies, 87 degrees uh, for a high today, maybe even higher uh, over the night after juicing up the atmosphere all day long expect the possibility of uh, uh, scattered thunderstorms some of those thunderstorms could be severe uh, low tonight 55 degrees so that cool front's going to come through and com- uh, collide with that warm front so uh, it's going to wring some of that rain out of uh, water out of the atmosphere dumping on us and we're going to get some uh, thunder boomers it looks like from that Uh, thursday tomorrow cooler weather uh, along with mostly cloudy skies and a high of uh, 70 uh, 70 degrees currently looking at our temperatures around the area let me give you that Uh, we're looking at um, in cabot we are at 64 degrees and foggy. I walked outside. Fog's not real dense, but there's no doubt that it's there. Uh, Conway is at 66 degrees with uh, a bit of drizzle in the area. Pine Bluff is under uh, a dense fog advisory. They're at 70 degrees. And uh, Hot Springs, uh, mostly cloudy. A, a, a temperature of 56, Little Rock got some drizzle, and 68 degrees. So uh, that's what you're looking like across the area. Yesterday, uh, Elizabeth and I spoke about uh, 
Secretary of State Pompeo talking about China and how China was using its uh, uh, building of businesses in America, uh, of its partnership with businesses in in America as a methodology to uh, get in and steal vital information from uh, American companies and to uh, get in and uh, basically uh, take over uh, uh, some uh, political uh, expediency uh, in America. It's important that we understand that the Chinese uh, and Chinese companies are above all else uh, communist China, and they belong uh, to the communist government. And so they're trying to to uh, weasel their way in, so to speak, into America. With that in mind, let's hear what the Secretary of State had to say with, uh, to the governors last month, I believe, or maybe it was in February, about uh, what the Chinese were up to. Last year, I received an invitation to an event that promised to be, quote, an occasion for exclusive deal-making. It said, quote, the opportunities for mutually beneficial economic development between China and our individual states are tremendous, end of quote. Uh, Deal-making sounds like it might have come from President Trump, but the invitation was actually from a former governor. I was being invited to the U.S.-China Governors Collaboration Summit. It was an event co-hosted by the National Governors Association and something called the Chinese People's Association for Friendship and Foreign Countries. Sounds pretty harmless. What the invitation did not say is that the group, the group I just mentioned, is the public face of the Chinese Communist Party's official foreign influence agency, the United Front Work Department. Now, I was lucky. Uh, I was familiar with that organization from my time as the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. But it got me thinking, how many of you made the link between that group and Chinese Communist Party officials? What if you made a new friend while you were at that event? What if your new friend asked you for introductions to other politically connected and powerful people? What if your new friend offered to invest big money in your state, perhaps in your pension, in industries sensitive to our national security? These aren't hypotheticals. These scenarios are all too true, and they impact American foreign policy significantly. Indeed, last year, a Chinese government-backed think tank in Beijing produced a report that assessed all 50 of America's governors on their attitudes towards China. They labeled each of you friendly, hardline, or ambiguous. I'll let you decide where you think you belong. Someone in China already has. Many of you indeed in that report are referenced by name. So here's the lesson. The lesson is that competition with China is not just a federal issue. It's why I wanted to be here today, Governor Hogan. It's happening in your states with consequences for our foreign policy, for the citizens that reside in your states, and indeed for each of you. And in fact, whether you're viewed by the CCP as friendly or hardline, know that it's working you. Know that it's working the team around you. 
Competition with China is happening inside of your state, and it affects our capacity to perform America's vital national security functions. I want to set the context today for this topic. At the end of the Cold War, America started to engage with China heavily. It made good sense. We thought that the more we interacted, the more it would become like a liberal democracy, like us here in the United States. It didn't happen. And you all know this. Indeed, under Xi Jinping, the country is moving exactly in the opposite direction. More repression, more unfair competition, more predatory economic practices, indeed, a more aggressive military posture as well. You should know, this doesn't mean we can't do business with China. I had an operation when I ran Century International. We had a small office in Shanghai. We can find places to cooperate when our interests converge. You can see that in the first part of the trade deal that President Trump got done, signed last month. We're happy about that. It was the right thing to do. That was indeed a deal that was good for both the United States and China. And these economic ties are powerful. They're important and good. They're good for your state. They're good for America. Look at the nearly 18 tons of medical supplies the United States just flew to China this past week to help fight the coronavirus. Yesterday, we announced more than $100 million in assistance to China and the countries that are affected by that virus. And on that note, too, I want to take just a moment to note I want to send my condolences to the loved ones of the United States citizen who fell victim to the coronavirus in Wuhan over the last days. But while there are places we can cooperate, we can't ignore China's actions and strategic intentions. If we do, we risk the important components of our relationships that benefit both countries. The Chinese government has been methodical in the way it's analyzed our system, our very open system, one that we're deeply proud of. It's assessed our vulnerabilities, and it's decided to exploit our freedoms to gain advantage over us at the federal level, the state level, and the local level. Last year, I announced that I would give a series of speeches on China, and this is part of that. It's, it's the context in which uh, state and local government officials ought to think about the way they lead with respect to our relationship. It's important. China matters. It's been part of my mission at the State Department to mobilize all parts of the United States government. What is out in Silicon Valley a couple of weeks ago to talk to America's leading tech companies about this very set of issues, and I need your help, too. What China does in Topeka and Sacramento reverberates in Washington and Beijing and far beyond. Competition with China is happening. It's happening in your state. In fact, I, I, I'd be surprised if most of you in the audience have not been lob lobbied by the Chinese Communist Party directly. Chinese Communist Party friendship organizations like the one that I referenced earlier are in Richmond, Minneapolis, Portland, Jupiter, Florida, and many other cities around the country. But sometimes China's activities aren't quite that public, and I want to talk about some of that today. Let me read you an excerpt of a letter from a Chinese diplomat. It was China's consul general in New York sent a letter last month to the speaker of one of your state legislatures. Here's what the letter said in part. It said, quote, as we all know, Taiwan is part of China. Avoid engaging in any official contact with Taiwan, including sending congratulatory messages to the electeds, introducing bills and proclamations for the election, sending officials and representatives to attend the inauguration ceremony, and inviting officials in Taiwan to visit the United States 
end of quote from the letter. Think about that. You add a diplomat from China assigned here to the United States, a representative of the Chinese Communist Party in the New York City, sending an official letter urging that an American elected official shouldn't exercise his right to freedom of speech. Let that sink in for just a minute. And this isn't a one-off event. It's happening all across the country. Chinese consulates in New York, in Illinois, in Texas, and two in California, bound by the diplomatic responsibilities and rights of the Vienna Convention, are very politically active at the state level, as is the embassy right here in Washington, D.C. Maybe some of you have heard about the time when the Chinese consulate paid the UC San Diego students to protest the Dalai Lama. Or last August, when a former governor, Phil Bryan of Mississippi, received a letter from a diplomat in the council's office in Houston threatening to cancel a Chinese investment if the governor chose to travel to Taiwan. Phil went anyway. Last year, a high school, a high school, a high school in Chicago disinvited a Taiwanese representative to serve on a climate panel after Chinese pressure. You know, it's one thing to pressure the Secretary of State of the United States of America. It seems quite something else to go after a high school principal. It shows depth. It shows systematization. It shows intent. All right. That's the first half of that speech. Uh, pretty sobering what the uh, Secretary of State saying. We'll hear the rest of that speech in just a moment. 622, let's finish up with Secretary of State Pompeo. Chinese Communist Party officials, too, are cultivating relationships with county school board members and local politicians, often through what are known as sister cities programs. Look, this Chinese competition is something you all know. It sits in the back of your mind, but you have many duties, and you are busy people. But this competition is well underway, and while these might seem like local matters to some, the cumulative effect is of enormous national importance and international significance. Of course, too, our public educational institutions are another arena of competition with China. I know, governors, you don't run these institutions on a day-to-day basis, but you often have impact on the people that do. The FBI director, and I think the attorney general, too, talked yesterday about something called the Thousand Talents Plan. It's planned to recruit scientists and professors to transfer the know-how we have here to China in exchange for enormous paydays. The program's probably targeted campuses in your state. Indeed, the Department of Justice has indicted professors in my home state at the University of Kansas and at Virginia Tech and at Harvard. A Texas A&M investigation reported this covered more than 100 academics participating in Chinese talent recruitment plans. Only five of them had declared that they were participating in this program. And goodness knows what else we've not discovered. There are indeed very credible reports of Chinese government officials pressuring Chinese students, students studying right here in the United States of America, to monitor fellow Chinese students and to report back to Beijing. One very prominent pro-democracy Chinese student on a college campus in the Northeast last year received death threats. Death threats for exercising his right to free speech. The FBI became involved. 
make no mistake about it, we want talented young Chinese students to come study in the United States of America. I see it at Wichita State University. These are wonderful young people. We ought to encourage them to be here. But they shouldn't have to fear the long arm of Beijing, which often reaches out via groups like the Chinese Students and Scholars Association. Look, that's just one of many campus groups directly influenced by the Chinese Communist Party and its representatives right here in the United States. Many of you are familiar with Confucius Institutes. Confucius Institutes purport to have the sole purpose of teaching Mandarin language skills and Chinese culture. A bipartisan Senate committee found last year in 2019 that the Chinese Communist Party controls nearly every aspect of the Confucius Institute's activities here in the United States. Over the past few months, the University of Missouri, the University of Kansas, the University of Maryland have independently decided to close down their Confucius Institutes after conducting their own reviews. And schools in 22 other states are doing or have already done the same. Sadly, China's propaganda campaign starts even earlier than college. China has targeted K-12 schools through its Confucius Classrooms, the CCP's program to influence kids in elementary, middle, and high schools around the world. Do you know that we have no ability to establish similar programs in China? I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. As President Trump's talked about reciprocity in trade, we should have reciprocity in all things. Today, they have free reign in our system, and we're completely shut out from theirs. As of 2017, there were 519 of these classrooms in the United States. Beijing knows that today's kids are tomorrow's leaders. The China competition is happening. It's happening in your states, and it's a competition that goes to the very basic freedoms that every one of us values. And when it comes to doing business, I'm asking you to adopt a cautious mindset. In the words of President Reagan, when you're approached for introduction or a connection to a deal, trust but verify. I know you all have power over pension funds or the people that run them. As of its latest public filing, the Florida retirement system is invested in a company that in turn is invested in surveillance gear that the Chinese Communist Party uses to track more than one million Muslim minorities. California's pension fund, the largest public pension fund in the country, is invested in companies that supply the People's Liberation Army that puts our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines at risk. And it is the case for many Chinese companies, too. No Sarbanes-Oxley. Their books are not wide open. So it's difficult to know if the transaction that's being engaged in is transparent and fair and follows the rule of law. Now, all of these things may well be legal. But the question is, do they demonstrate good judgment and preserve America's national security? I want to urge vigilance on the local level, too. In the District of Columbia, there have been concerns raised that the new metro cars manufactured by China could be vulnerable to cyber threats. So again, it's worth trusting but verifying there are federal officials prepared to help you work your way through these challenges when they arise. Don't make separate individual deals and agreements with China that undermine our national policy. I know none of you would do so intentionally. Let us help you make sure we're getting it right. We're here to help. The Trump administration wants to help. There are so many things we have already done. Last year, we issued a letter to state governments. It reaffirmed that Taiwan remains a key business partner and a friend in every other way. 
We've strengthened the review process for Chinese companies that are investing in your states. We've revoked visas for so-called research scholars who abused their privileges by teaching at Confucius classrooms and made sure that they departed the United States. We've banned scientists from the Department of Energy, which oversees America's 17 largest national, excuse me, labs, including our nuclear research facility in New Mexico. We did so because they were participating in Chinese talent recruitment programs. We've directed two Chinese propaganda outlets, the Chinese Global Television Network and Xinhua News Agency, to register as foreign agents. All right, we're running out of time to to news coming up here at the uh, bottom of the hour. And uh, the Secretary of State was wrapping up at that moment. Uh, We're going to rebroadcast that speech again tomorrow during my show in the 8 o'clock hour. Please tell people to tune in to hear it. It's very important. We have a Confucius Institute on the UCA campus. Here's your news. All right, we're back. Dave Ellswick show. I hope that was a, a somber uh, word from the Secretary of State. A lot of us don't know that the uh, Chinese government is working diligently, uh, but it should come as no surprise. It's been going on since the Clinton administration, at least, uh, that the uh, uh, the communist Chinese have been trying to get involved in our government uh, uh, through directions that are not directly related to government when we think about them. For instance, he talked about the Confucius Institutes and that Confucius in- Institutes are a direct. Now, direct means that they get their marching orders from uh, the Communist Party in China from the People's Communist Party. And uh, with that uh, in mind, or the Communist you know, Party of, of, you know, of China, the bottom line is this. You think that that's probably in other states. You would be wrong. Uh, there is a Confucius Institute on the campus of UCA. And they're getting their marching orders directly from the communists in China and Beijing. That's where they get their orders from. And they're, they're, you know, they're sending people out to, uh, you know, lead all kinds of, you know, uh, marches and parades and whatever against things that they find uh, that they need to to. Uh, uh, how, what's the best way to put this? Make pieces of our government less strong uh, to allow the Chinese government to become stronger. I don't know if the department at UCA has done what Secretary of State Pompeo has asked of the universities uh, that they have a Confucius Institute on them to do, which is to do a solid background check of what exactly this particular organization is doing. I'll be making some phone calls uh, 
uh, over the next few days, and we'll be seeing what's going on uh, and what is being found out. And um, we might have to do, you know, a FOIA to find out if there's any kind of uh, emails and things of that going on that uh, we wouldn't know about unless we FOIA uh, did a FOIA on them and and got it to. Uh, brought to light so hang in on that we're looking at it because basically when we start doing this stuff it's me and one other person that's doing it so it takes a little bit longer for us uh to uh, conduct something like this i'm I'm not lucky enough to have uh, a a big payday every every payday here working in uh, little rock to be able to afford a a group of people that go out and do background information for me uh, and, uh, you know, look up articles and look up emails and things of that nature. Uh, so we've got to be vigilant about this, and uh, we got to make sure that the, uh, the people that are at the top uh, the top of uh, UCA uh, know that this is going on as well and not let them just blow us off as we're some kind of, you know, crazy righties out there, you know, that we're different than the original John Birchers. We're not dealing with Russia. We're dealing with China. Uh, with China. Uh, I am a firm believer that you have to have some form of diplomatic relationships with every country so that you know what's going on and you can try. Uh, doesn't mean it will work, but that you can try uh, to have some form of uh, relationship with them. So uh, I'm not going in thinking that uh, they're definitely bad, but I will say this. I don't trust the Chinese government and after what's happened with COVID-19 if you trust trust them that what they're telling you is 100% correct uh, then I think that you're being pretty Pollyannish about things Uh, as well as when you've got a country that has made uh, not direct threats but shadowy threats about cutting this off from masks cutting this off from uh, the stuff that, uh, you know, the elements that we use to make our pharmaceuticals and things of that nature, we got to be careful. Uh, big article today in the Daily Wire with uh, Ben Shapiro's group uh, dealing with how business now uh, that perhaps this COVID-19 that originated in China may be the last straw to tip and trigger American companies to exit China. Uh, In the global manufacturing consulting firm Kearney's 7th Annual Reshoring Index, which was released yesterday, the uh, co-author wrote this, quote, three decades ago, U.S. producers began manufacturing and sourcing in China for one reason, costs. Save money. That's why they were doing it. The trade war brought a second dimension more fully into the equation. Risk. Uh, As tariffs and the threats uh, of disrupted China imports prompted companies to weigh uh, the surety of supply more fully alongside costs. COVID-19 brings a third dimension more fully into the mix and arguably to the fore. Resilience. 
the ability to foresee and adapt to unforeseen systemic, uh, ch- uh, systemic ch- shocks. As Kenneth Raposa writes in Forbes, the currency report revealed, quote, a dramatic reversal, unquote, because domestic U.S. manufacturing in 2019 outdid 14 Asian exporters tracked in the study. Raposa notes that manufacturing reports from China were the hardest hit, unquote. Raposa opines that other nations in Southeast Asia and Mexico may become primary target spots for American companies. He adds, the new SARS uh, coronavirus has literally closed the economies of the Western world and created a public relations nightmare for China, unquote. The report states that companies will be compelled to go much further in rethinking their sourcing strategy and their entire supply chains. And that's important that we rethink that and rethink it very, very clearly. In mid-March, Senator Marco Rubio told Fox News that the Chinese state-run media agency that's Stated, quote, if China retaliates against the United States at this time, in addition to announcing a travel ban on the U.S., it will also announce strategic control over medical products and ban exports to the United States. Then the United States is going to get caught in the ocean of new coronaviruses. Also, according to the U.S. CDC officials, uh, most of the drugs in the United States are imported. If China banned exports, the United States will fall into a hell of a new coronavirus pneumonia epidemic. We should say righteously that the U.S. owes China an apology. The world owes China a thank you. Rubio warned they can threaten to cut us off from our pharmaceutical supplies. They could trigger a domestic problem here that would make it difficult Uh, For us to confront them, it's a tremendous amount of leverage. Senator Tom Cotton, who introduced a bill to protect the United States from dependence on China for pharmaceuticals, stated, quote, The Chinese Communist Party has threatened to cut off America's access to vital drugs in the midst of a pandemic caused by its own failures. It's time to pull America's supply chains for life-saving medicine out of China and make the CCP pay for contributing to this global emergency. Cotton Senate website noted how dependent the United States is on the supply of pharmaceuticals from China. This is uh, chilling, so hang on as I read this to you. Today, most active pharmaceutical ingredients, APIs, used for drugs in the United States are made in China, including 95% of U.S. imports of ibuprofen, 70% of acetaminophen, 40 to 45% of penicillin. This vulnerable state of affairs is due to the Chinese Communist Party having spent a generation cornering this strategic market. Raposa concludes in Forbes, China is the go-to source for ibuprofen, hazmat suits, rubber gloves, surgical masks, ventilators, 
Companies will want to hedge their supply chain strategy by spreading their risk. That doesn't mean a full abandonment of China, but it does mean China's days as the go-to manufacturing hub for the Western world are now over. Well, I'm not ready to say that last sentence until I see the necessary uh, you know, laws that are passed to make it so. I'm going to be like... Uh, uh, you know, the commander of the uh, Enterprise about making it so. I won't believe it's made so until we pass the laws that make it so. And it sounds like our uh, junior senator is doing a lot about that. Now it's up to our governor to react to this information that we're hearing and how the Chinese are using companies in states that they build in to uh, rob us of our intellectual, uh, you know, abilities and, and information and sending it back home to the CCP. Uh, Governor uh, Hutchinson works closely with the Chinese. He's going to have to work even in a, uh, he could still work with China, but he may not, may not just willy-nilly, you know, blast open the doors of trade the way that he's been doing it. He's going to have to uh, show a a lot more reticence in what he's doing uh, with the Chinese government. I mean, they can be your go-to like France is, but I'd rather we did business with France. At least they're closer to a, a republic than what the CCP is. All right, a break, and then i got some more information for you. By the time we get to 7 o'clock, we'll be ready for the news. And then at 7.05, uh, Congressman French Hill will join us for a half hour. And at 7.35, the daughter-in-law, of Dr. Ben Carson, will join us. She's a doctor as well, and we're going to talk to her about coronavirus and some of the things that, you know, are we getting to flattening the curve now? Are we getting ready to go on the downside of the hill that we have been climbing for the last few weeks? That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we're down to about seven minutes uh, to seven o'clock here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, seven o'clock, we'll have the news. Seven o five, Congressman French Hill will join us, and we'll talk to him about what's going on in Washington D.C. and here in the state of Arkansas. And then at uh, seven thirty-five, uh, we'll be hearing from the daughter-in-law of uh, the head of HUD, uh, Doctor Ben Carson, his daughter-in-law. Uh, doctor uh you know will join us so we're looking forward to to talking to her as well uh last segment excuse me tree pollen is up this morning uh in the last segment here i'd like to talk about the big change pardon me again I'm going to have to... Bless you, Dave. No, I'm just... I got the sneezes now. Anyway, don't take that as something really bad is happening. It's just my allergies kicking up this morning. Well, as long uh, as you're staying outside. at home social distancing, I think yeah, I am fine. doing that. I am definitely social distancing. I have, I'm have. i under house arrest. That's the way I put it. 
uh, here with my wife. But uh, the only time I get out is if I get to go to the doctor, and I'm like a little kid going to the candy shop when I go to the doctor because I get to get out of the house. Anyway, White House Press Secretary uh, Stephanie Grisham uh, is stepping down. Uh, She is, uh, of course... Uh, the press secretary for the president. She's going to go back to the uh, first lady's office. Well, she'll serve as uh, uh, Mrs. Trump's spokesperson and the chief of staff. The White House said in a statement yesterday morning, the White House had been rumored as recently as a week ago to be making a move in the press office. But Gresham denied those reports. However, can't deny it anymore. It's happened now. Uh, it's become clear Gresham, who never she never held a single press conference as the uh, president's spokesperson and uh, head of the White House Communications Department. That's got to tell you something. After what Sarah uh, did to have somebody come in and do just the opposite, it, it was really crazy. Uh, new White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Uh, made the decision to swap out Gresham as part of a full Oval Office reorganization. No other senior staff changes have been announced just yet, uh, but they're expected. They're coming. Just know that they're coming. I think they're holding off until after the coronavirus uh, you know, pandemic thing is all over with so that the people that they have in place right now things stay smooth uh, instead of trying to put somebody in the middle of the raging rapids, so to speak. They'll wait till the waters uh, calm down and then put the people in. Uh, so who's going in? Well, somebody who's been a, uh, a big part of our show over the last year, and that's Kaylee McEnany. We, she was on, uh, or has been on many, many times. Uh, I met her finally face-to-face and talked to her when uh, uh, the president came into Dallas great to put uh, faces to voices and she said the same about me uh, hopefully maybe this will give us a little uh, of an end to get uh, her on the show uh, McEnany will be Trump's fourth press secretary in under four years succeeding Gresham Sarah Sanders and Sean Spicer in a uh, communications office that's been marred by tur- uh, turnover McEnany has been a constant presence in the pro-Trump media and political sphere, going to bat for the president since 2016. Although uh, she's best known as a CNN political pundit, not as, uh, you know, standing by what CNN says, but somebody who gets in there and puts up her duke, so to speak, and uh, fights it out on television with the, the extreme left. Uh, She served in a variety of everyday political roles, most notably as an intern and then campaign official for President George W. Bush. She also worked uh, for Mike Huckabee when he was governor, and then she became a surrogate for then-Republican presidential nominee uh, Donald Trump in 2016. Gresham is not leaving her role immediately as the White House wants to make the transition as smooth as possible amid the ongoing uh, coronavirus pandemic, which has seen Trump rise to the job of being his own best public relations specialist. Um, Said Gresham, I continue to be honored to serve both the president and the first lady in the administration. My replacements will be announced in the coming days. I'll stay in the West Wing to help with the smooth transition for as long as needed. 
Gresham has been sharply criticized by members of the media for failing to hold a daily briefing, which had become commonplace under the Obama administration when the media was much friendlier and less aggressive toward the White House. When the briefings became contentious, almost daily knockdowns uh, between the press and the press secretary, the White House press office stopped holding the events, preferring to schedule press conferences only when absolutely needed. And then finally, uh, the president has been holding his own daily press conferences to update the nation on the federal response to coronavirus, a development that the uh, unsatisfied press corps has always criticized sharply. Some members of the media have even called for Trump's daily briefings to be left off the air. Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. They show up, I guess, since it's going to be a direct way for the president to get to the American people and talk directly to them. And they, he kind of gets to avoid the press, so to speak. He talk, directs directly to the camera, answers the questions that they ask, and the people of this country get to hear all of his answers and not the cherry-picked uh, results that they want to use. Now the, the press doesn't like them. All right. Congressman French Hill is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Six minutes after seven on a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer uh, to uh, Monday, or take that back, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And uh, it's Wednesday at 7.05, and that means that we're going to be joined now uh, by uh, our congressman from District 2, uh, Congressman French Hill. And, Congressman, thanks for joining us today. I guess first thing i got to ask is the change in the communications office uh, for the president. Mark Meadows made the change. And, uh, you know, the people who are going in there are, are well known to the GOP and are fierce defenders of the president. Yeah, I think Mark's made uh, some good choices and uh, we're moving into a different communication phase, number one, because of the daily engagement on the coronavirus and trying to get our economy back after we beat the virus, and obviously moving into an election year. So I think the chief of staff is lining things up for the balance of the year. Well, you know Kaylee. I know you know Kaylee. Yeah, Kaylee has absolutely. been involved with uh, Huckabee and, and a lot of other people that are here in the uh, the Arkansas arena of politics. Uh, she's been on my show quite often uh, as a G, uh, as an RNC spokesman, and she does a great job. I like her because she's a lot like Sarah was. Uh, she says what she's thinking and what the truth is and uh, doesn't care what the media thinks about it. Exactly, and that fits uh, the president's M.O., and we've sort of had a gap since uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders left the White House. We don't have the same 
we don't have the same uh, positioning for the president that we had with Sarah's leadership. No, he's been doing his own positioning here lately, and, and I thought he's been doing a pretty doggone good job at it, to be honest. You know, it's been it's fun. I hope the American people are, can pick up as you watch these pressers and you can see the president answering the questions and then how the left tries to bend the answers of the president, but the people can go back and watch what the president exactly said and can see how, uh, you know, how the press uh, leans to the left in the way they report about this president. Yeah, two things I've noticed is, one, you have that now daily, so there's just no missing what is no. being said by the leaders versus the spin from the left-wing press corps at the White House. And the second thing is, I don't know if you agree with this, too, but I believe the American people are really getting to know Donald Trump better and in a more intimate way, where mm-hmm. he's let his guard down a little bit. He's offered his opinion on going to church for Easter and Palm Sunday. He's had a long discussion about how Barron's doing, uh, you know, as a kid, living stuck in the White House and dealing with coronavirus, with not being able to go to school. I, I just I see a different side of Donald Trump here, and I think it's an opportunity for Americans to really get to know of this man personally by this daily interaction. And I, I think it's great. I hope other people see that as well. Well, everybody who thinks that he is some kind of just idiot uh, has found out that that's not the case and has also found out that he has an, a side of him that empathizes strongly with the American people. I mean, there's times when he's doing those daily briefings, you can hear him choking up as he talks about Americans who are dying because of the coronavirus. Exactly. And, you know, that's, I think, uh, for a lot of people, this level of intimacy uh, really is, I think it's good for the president. I think it'll allow more people to see how hard he's working, how uh, the efforts he's making to beat the virus and get the economy back, the creativity that he approaches his job, the openness in which he approaches his job. So I think this has been good for Donald Trump and good that he is our entrepreneurial leader in this time of really a tough situation. Well, I really have just recently the best line that I've heard from the president has been these governors that go on like CNN, MSNBC, and they just complain about the president. And he says, not when they talk to me. They're, they're talking about how great we're doing for them and all the things we're doing for them. They're saying great things that, you know, they got to keep their, their side of things up. Yeah, isn't that typical? I mean, once again, you just expose uh, that common sense and obvious situation, and it demonstrates that President Trump's uh, not a politician. He's a business guy, and when somebody acts like that, he's just going to call them out on it. No big deal. That's just the way it is, and he expects it. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right, so let me ask uh, you a couple of questions. I played uh, the Secretary of State Pompeo speech from back in uh, February, I believe, where he stood in front of the nation's governors and talked about how the the, the CCP, uh, the, the Chinese, uh, you know, yep. Communist Party has been using uh, things here in the United States to try to uh, further their gains 
uh, amongst the American people. And one of the things they talked about was the Confucius uh, Institute, which they have on college campuses. And by the way, were you aware that we had one in Conway at UCA? No, I don't think I was. Yeah, we have one. Now, I'm going to call over there just so you'll know, because I'm sure you'll hear about it. Uh, I'm going to call over, and I want to know if they've done any. The, the, the Secretary of State said that every college campus should be doing their own internal investigation and asking for the help of the State Department. And I'm going to call over there and see if that's happening, because this is a direct uh, a group of people who work strictly for the Communist Party of China, and I'm wondering, should we allow them on our campuses? Well, I think it's a good thing to talk about, and this is Chinese uh, infiltration on college campuses uh, for research, access to talent, uh, access to student opinion is a, a significant part of their strategy, in addition to the technology strategy that a lot of Americans are aware of in terms of uh, the use of the Internet and 5G to infiltrate countries yes. around the world. And this is why the administration's been so concerned about it. This has been knocked off the front pages, obviously, for another Chinese reason, which is the spread of the virus. But uh, 5G technology, college campus, and then even business connections and business locations. We changed uh, the surveillance laws for uh, foreign investment coming into the U.S. last year in Congress, strong bipartisan vote, to make sure that we are scrutinized foreign direct investment differently than we have in the past. In the past, we'd be concerned about the purchase of a company or the purchase of a defense company or the purchase of land next to a defense facility, maybe. But now we're looking at joint ventures and intellectual property licensing on the same basis. Mm -hmm. And again, the main target is what China's business strategy has been. Yeah, the bottom line, they've never changed their strategy overall. Their strategy is to become the number one government in the world. And to be able to do that, they've got to pass us and they'll do whatever they have to do. I mean, Mao is still part of, of China. You know what I'm saying? Well, you've mixed uh, the Chinese Communist Party, the authoritarian leadership, and the uh, no religion, uh, no ethnicity, you know, strict communism. But you've now mixed it also with China's thousands-year-old heritage of being the middle kingdom. And that expression, middle kingdom, is that the Chinese people thousands of years ago felt that the whole world revolved around them. Uh -huh. And so when you combine that uh, sort of... Chinese uh, cultural uh, impetus with the Communist Party, you get this attempt to dominate every aspect of global society. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back and finish up our second half of our conversation that we do weekly. And I don't tell you this enough. I really appreciate that you do this because this kind of transparency of you with the people back home, uh, it should be followed, I think, uh, with at least some talk show in every state.
uh, so that people can keep up with what you all are doing there in Washington, D.C., because there's a lot that goes on that the media does not report on anymore. All right, a break. Our uh, special guest for this hour is Congressman uh, French Hill from District 2. We'll uh, continue our conversation. Got a couple more questions about China for him. Then I'll bring have him give us an update on the coronavirus and his Golden Fleece Award. It goes to a great recipient this time. We'll tell you about it when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. We continue with uh, the Congressman French Hill from District 2. He joins us every Wednesday. And like I said, I, I really appreciate that he does this because you get to hear from him directly about what's going on uh, in Congress on the House side about what uh, what what's happening. Uh, report today on the uh, Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's uh, uh, website, uh, Congressman, that companies are starting to rethink uh, what they're doing over in China and that we may begin to see uh, companies look for other areas to get uh, products made. I'd love to see them come back here to the United States and do this stuff in the United States. There's a, a part of this, they talk about Senators Rubio and then, of course, Senator Tom Cotton, who introduced the bill to protect the United States from dependence on China for pharmaceuticals, which is a huge, huge bill. They kind of threatened uh, during this to, uh, thus far to cut off America's access to vital drugs in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, that was the wrong thing to do because they ended up really POing everybody there on the Hill, I believe. Uh, what's happening on the, the, the House side? Maybe we just hadn't heard about it. Well, it's a significant topic uh, in Washington, and I've introduced a bill that amends the Defense Production Act that you've heard President Trump put into use to get manufacturing shifted here for critical medical supplies. I'm amending the act to say that our medical supply chain, both pharmaceutical, medical devices, and related, is a national security item, permanently changing the act to make sure that we have a national strategy for medical supplies and pharmaceutical uh, elements that treat it as a national security matter. That means that we'll have the manufacturing capacity here in the United States. We'll have a strategy on how many companies are in each of these industries, where are they located, and not become dependent on offshore uh, major supplies for a national security emergency, which is what a public health emergency becomes. You can see that with the incapacity of our military. Uh, do, you've seen the horrible stories about the Theodore Roosevelt in Guam. And we have our, our guard and reserves diverted to uh, providing um, pandemic support. So that's why I think this is very uh, important. I agree with the Senate's uh, view on this. And look, this is going to change the relationship, I think, with China, not only with the United States, uh, but with business and with their countries around the world. And it won't be a positive change. And it continues the three years of work, I think, by American supply chains to diversify. Uh, President Trump's direct approach to get China to play by the rules, stop stealing intellectual property, stop dumping steel and aluminum, uh, stop manipulating American business, has caused a lot of people to rethink their dependence on China. And so you see Vietnam, Malaysia, the Philippines, and I believe with the new USMCA, 
you'll see a lot of supply chain move back into North America, including the United States. Yeah, and that, and that's good news. You know, I think that's positive news uh, for us. Might not be positive news from China because, let's face it, their own people can't buy enough of their products uh, to keep their economy growing the way they want it to grow. They must have the buy-in from the world, and it looks like maybe that buy-in is now going to uh, come under scrutiny by the people who have been doing all of their buy-in of China, and I hope that that's, that's the case. I think it will be, and I think, as I say, you'll see this accelerate. Uh, I think it was already accelerating based on economic conditions and the way China has behaved economically, uh, and they're saber-rattling militarily in the region. And now the pandemic is driven sort of a final nail in that coffin of supply chain dominance. I think you'll see a lot more diversification. And when I say that, I mean not only from American business, but also European business. All right, we, we're getting down to where we've got about six minutes left, so let me ask you, bring us up to date on the coronavirus. You know, the governor has taken a, some heat from people saying he he hasn't done enough to lock down the state. Seems to me all you got to do is look at the, the results. Uh, we got fewer people than surrounding states that have total lockdowns, uh, uh, people getting sick, people who are dying. I think the governor has done a good job. What says what say you, Congress? Dave, I'm a big supporter in making a rational decision for each geography uh, and doing it thoughtfully and doing it in consistent with what the public health situation uh, demands. And in these large urban areas with high infection rates, high spread rates, um, I don't think you have any choice but to take some of these more drastic measures. Uh, in Illinois, they have a complete state lockdown. I think that might have been appropriate for Clark County and Chicago, but is it really relevant for every uh, rural agricultural county in uh, Illinois? Aren't you putting people out of work unnecessarily mm-hmm. there with the ability to follow CDC hygiene guidelines? So I think our governor's tried to walk a fine line and do things that uh, keep our economy functioning where it can uh, and appropriately and safely, but be very much on guard about things that could put the public health at risk. So it's a tough job. I think Asa Hutchison's doing a good job in balancing that, and I appreciate his his leadership. So, look, there is everything has to be done in accordance with what the public health circumstances uh, say. Mayor Scott has jumped in on uh, what he saw in southwest Little Rock and a lot of uh, public gathering and people not following uh, the CDC guidelines. And so he's attempted to uh, take actions where he sees the need. And I think that's what our leaders should be doing. All right. We're almost done. Let me ask you, this is something you can speak you can speak to uh, very clearly. A lot of people talking about the money being available to small businesses through these SBA uh, grants. A lot of banks uh, that are dealing with it are having problems. The ones that seem to be doing the best job, community banks. Talk about that. A hundred percent. This program started on April 3rd, Friday. It's been in business three days. And of the tens of thousands of applications taken, most of those came from our community banks across the country that had the ability to get close to the customer and help fill out that two-page application. There's still some rough spots here. Uh, banks being able to upload those applications uh, for uh, documentation purposes and um, uh, some confusion on the definitions. 
But look, they've stood up a $349 billion rescue package for economic preservation for our small businesses in one week after we passed that bill. So my hat's off to Secretary Mnuchin for driving it to a open. And what we're doing this week is trying to clear up the glitches and get that money flowing to small businesses. Mitch McConnell announced yesterday with Kevin McCarthy and the president they would seek uh, $200 billion more uh, for the small business uh, program if it was needed. And so we'll see if the Senate may take a lead on that uh, this coming Thursday. All right. Got two minutes. Tell us about the Golden Fleece Award. goes to a great recipient, I believe. Every month, my team and I scour looking for ranking Golden Fleece potentials. This month, there was no scouring. It stood out front (laughs) and center. I sent a letter last week to Deborah Rudder, uh, who is the president of the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. As you know, Nancy Pelosi, one of her things she held up uh, the Coronavirus Cares Act for was getting more money for the Kennedy Center. Uh, That cost us uh, three days of legislative time to get that bill passed. And she got $25 million for the Kennedy Center, albeit to keep them functioning and safe during the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Well, two days after President Trump signed the bill, they laid off the entire National Symphony Orchestra and shut the place down. Uh, yeah. On top of the fact that we give them $49, $50 million a year in an annual appropriation. I thought they should keep it open. If they're going to get that money. Let's have the National Symphony playing online concerts for Americans to listen to during this tough time at home. So they're the big winner this week. All right. Congressman French Hill, thanks so much, Congressman. You you stay well and stay safe. Same to you. All All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Always appreciative to talk to him. Coming up in uh, the next half hour, uh, Dr. Ben Carson's daughter-in-law, Dr. Carson, will join us and talk to you about uh, the latest on the coronavirus. And then uh, tomorrow we'll have somebody on to talk about those SBA loans as well. Got a lot of things going on. Uh, if you and, and I got some other information about the $1,200 checks you need to hear about. That's coming up as well. But right now, let's take a time out. And bring El Rushbo on. He's got something that he wants to share with you. We'll do that, and then we'll be back on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, Dr. Carson will be with us in just a second. Let me remind you that if you're worried about this meltdown with the stock market, I got some great news for you. Uh, According to Forbes magazine, they're saying that it could be a huge opportunity right now to save big money on taxes and retirement. You can learn how that works for you with a uh, free uh, tax reduction analysis by phone or video conferencing. Again, you don't have to go into the office. They don't have to come out and see you. You can do it on a telephone or you can do it on video conferencing. Let me just make sure that you understand to make it really, really safe. Make sure you wipe off your phone with a disinfectant, uh, you know, towelette. And to do the same thing with your uh, uh, your computer. You know, walk, wipe off your keyboard and all that stuff. Uh, all that happens through David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. So if you save more than $400,000, you can be one of the first 10 callers right now and schedule your free analysis. Get a free one. Do it now at 501-222-3315. 
This big drop in the stock market could be your window of opportunity to save tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in retirement on taxes. Learn how by calling 501-222-3315. That number one more time, 501-222-3315. Our guest is uh, Dr. Carson. She joins us. We want to thank the folks at the RNC for setting this interview up. I'm really excited that uh, she has joined us today. She's got important things to share with you here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, Doctor, how are you today? I hope you're well and uh, you've been safe. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, there's there's important things to talk about. It seems that these changes that uh, we have made uh, as far as people's sh- social distancing and things of that nature seem to be working. Uh, what I'm seeing in the media, you tell me if you think it's it's correct or not, is that we're beginning to to push down the bell curve a little bit. Is that do you believe that that's true now? You know, we're working on it. We are anticipating another peak coming up right now, so that's why the social distancing is of utmost importance. Um, and you know, I and people really do need to take this seriously all across the country. All right. Now, Dr. Carson, I want to remind everybody, is the CEO of, I think it's Meridian Healthcare, which is a health and IT company focused on population health, cybersecurity, and artificial intelligence, serving both government and private sector. She's an expert in public policy and government affairs, and she sits on the National Council for the White House uh, Historical Association, is uh, on the advisory board member for Women for Trump, and winning for women, Dr. Carson is also, and yeah, you know that her last name is Carson, right? So you figure she's got to have, she's got to be uh, related. She is daughter-in-law to Dr. Ben Carson, who's been on our show quite a few times. And he's uh, just uh, such a gentleman and such a well-versed uh, person. Uh, let's let's talk with you, though. You do a lot of public uh, population health. I have a gentleman who comes on my show by the name of Dr. Yamauchi here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and he's uh, a, a specialist in infectious diseases. Uh, and he tells us uh, and talks to us about the herd mentality of people getting vaccinated and things of that nature. People need to understand that we're working on a vaccine right now, but mm-hmm. it don't work unless everybody gets it, correct? Right. We're working on it. I mean, the outlook is, you know, I think it's a year or two, 18 months before we can have a vaccine. You know, I mean, we have vaccines for flu vaccine, but, you know, they're, it's unpredictable based on what the virus is doing. And currently right now we're still in that in the study phase of the virus. The virus is changing. It's, we don't know when it's going to if it's going to be um, if it's going to come back. So, you know, there's different factors and variability that we're taking into consideration. So you work in AI as well. How important is artificial intelligence uh, in the fight against, uh, you know, a disease like this? 
And, you know, we're, we're actually out there um, doing these drives and testing facilities and data collection. And data is going to be super important in us understanding the disease, right? We want to figure out why, why the disease affects certain people a certain way versus, some, you know, another population. And those are things that you would find out through artificial intelligence and data collection. And I keep stressing to the governors and the mayors of states and cities to stop being crippled by fear and make these leaps and start getting those data. What we're seeing is... Um, you know, in the local districts and things like that, they're using paper and pencil and they're getting minimal data and that's not going to be sufficient. We really need to increase the data collection methodology. Um, and we did, we partnered with Microsoft to create a database that we're giving away freely to the states and cities to be able to uh, utilize it so they can collect better data because as long as we have the data, we're able to be able to understand the the virus better and spread and contain it. Yeah, how much quicker can you guys process that data than you could, let's just say, five years ago? Well, now the data is real time, so we can actually, due to artificial intelligence, you know, um, and of course we're working with Microsoft, you know, they're, they're an incredible company um, who's doing a lot of, you know, give backs currently. So um, we can do this in real time. We can collect that data. As long as they're using that dashboard, we can collect the data. We can we can analyze it in real time and get reports back to, you know, the White House, CDC, states, um, to make sure that people know what's happening. Yeah, I mean, well, I, that as a, you know, it's, it's not as real time as it should be. Yeah, it's, it's 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 incredible what you all have at your fingertips now that doctors and nurses and, uh, you know, uh, specialists in this field wish they could have had 10, 15 years ago. I mean, I, I wonder how they feel about SARS and, and some of the other stuff and what it would have been like if they had had what you all have. I mean, you guys are making uh, changes, you know, so quickly. It's amazing. This whole antibody thing, and maybe you could talk about this a little bit, is coming because of this, this AI uh, ability that you have. Right. I think we're we're utilizing both the PCR testing and the antibody testing. So, to you know, if, if somebody's already been um, exposed to the virus, the antibody test will you know pick that up. Um, and I, it's important because we can, we can see you know we can differentiate between asymptomatic carriers versus people that actually have the virus and it's carrying around. And again, the big thing is the containment. And you know, we're waiting on this peak that's that's going to come. And you know, what that's going to do is going to be interesting to see. You know, the, the the story I keep hearing is testing, testing, testing. The testing is definitely the thing that we have to be able to do. Is this going to be kind of a thing where you go in to maybe see your doctor at least at the beginning of this bug appearing? And pardon me for using bug. I'm just going to talk like an every guy day guy. You got a bug out there. Are you going to you know go in and see your doctor? You know, at least once a year and get tested to see if you have that bug. You know, we're still far, far off on the testing. What what they're talking about testing is to make sure the population is tested. Something that South Korea had done really well in terms of um, containment, and we look at South Korea as a model because they were able to contain it quickly, is they tested the entire population. And America hasn't been doing that yet. And I will say I've been talking to governors, I've been talking to mayors, and they are not you know, they're not pulling the plug and saying, let's go ahead and test the population. CDC has guidelines, but CDC has said, you know, it's up to the states and cities on how they want to do it. And I really think they need to, you know, step up and say, we need to test the population. That's the only way for us to understand, you know, quarantine. Because there are people out there that are walking around with this 
let's let's call it bug, right? They're walking around with with the bug, and they're um, they're infecting people not knowingly, and mm-hmm. that's important that we need to we need to be able to test the population to say these folks need to stay in self quarantine so we can protect the other side of our population, which is high risk with comorbidities. I mean, that's that's one of those things that you guys are trying to figure out why there's people walking around that are asymptomatic that can pass this virus and they feel fine and they're doing fine. Why? Why are they different than the rest of the population? I mean, if you can figure that out, I would think a cure is there to be found. And that's what data collection and artificial intelligence overlaying is going to do, um, Dave. It's really important that you know we, we do we collect that information. So how do you how do you convince uh, a country as independently minded as our country is? Let's face it, we're very independently minded. That uh, we all have to come together with that herd mentality to be able to defeat something like this. It has to start with local communities, and it has to start with state leadership enforcing it. You know, everybody's looking at at the federal government and, you know, pointing fingers here and there. But, you know, the federal government has put measures in place. They're they're putting programs in place to help the economy um, and, and research and development. But it really comes down to the local folks and education. They need to get an education component of it. There's still people out there that, you know, are not... Um, social distancing themselves and who thinks this is a hoax, you know. It's so, th- th- those are important that it comes from the local communities and states. Yeah, I gotcha. Dr. Uh, Marilyn Carson is our guest. Uh, we'll finish up by asking this question. Where do you think we're at, uh, Doctor? Are, are, we're, we're better off than we were when this all started, but do you think that we're going to come out on the other side fairly soon, or are we looking at you know not until September? I mean, do you, I mean I'm asking you to make a to make a a guess here, and I guess that's not fair, but I'm going to ask it of you anyway. <laughs> well, Dave, as long as you don't quote me on this. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think you know we are going to hit. It's an ebb and flow um, dynamic currently right now, and I think we're going to see a peak. But I think the summer, if the virus is, it mimics the flu and the influenza virus or the flu vaccine, flu virus, it you know the summertime we're going to see a decrease. But you know then it'll, we might see an increase in September, and that's something that and we don't know, right? We're we're we're, we're, we're speculating on a lot of things on how this virus is going to do, be. But if it's anything like influenza, that's kind of this you know what we're what we'll, we'll see. All right. I appreciate your time. I know you're very, very busy. I I appreciate you giving us time here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Dr. Carson, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Dave. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye now. Dr. Carson here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Interesting things she's saying. I mean, seriously, a lot of the decisions... Uh, that are being made, and uh, and I, and I'm one of those people that, you know, AI to me is heavy pro, heavy con. Uh, I look at a lot of the things that artificial intelligence is doing, and I think, wow, that's so cool that they can figure that out in real time, have all this information at their fingertips, and I know doctors that are probably in their late 60s, early 70s that have been doing a lot of work with viruses in the past are saying, if I'd only had this kind of stuff, man, could we have moved a lot quicker. But then I have those instances that I have when I start thinking about 
AI and is it going to lead us into like Westworld that we see on HBO or, uh, you, you know, is it, are we looking at, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Terminator, <laughs> you know, the, that kind of, uh, of, of, uh, stuff. I mean, it, it gives me the willies at times, uh, but at other times, or as I like to say, it gives me to Willie Nelson's. Uh, but as far as other uh, other times, it, it gives me a lot of of hope. Uh, with that said, let's get our final break in. we got more coming your way. Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, uh, Joe and Duck will be with us in the 8 o'clock hour talking cars here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. We're into the uh, final seven minutes of this hour. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to be, uh, of course, hearing uh, from uh, Joe and, and, and Duck. We're going to talk about your car, and we'll talk about small businesses, things that they're dealing with as far as that goes. I mean, they are. Both of them are uh, small business-oriented people, and uh, we're going to want to know what they have to you know, say about what's uh, what's going on out there for small businesses. I'm I'm going to get a hold of somebody uh, tomorrow. I'll be talking to a gentleman I work with, Will Gale. Uh, he's with the Republican National Committee, and we'll get somebody that can come on and talk small business administration with us. Uh, I also will try to get somebody from the Small Business Administration. I think Carrie tonight on her show uh, at 6 o'clock is going to have somebody on uh, talking about this. It's important uh, that if you're a small business owner, you know about you know how to go about to access this money the govern, uh, government's going to make available to you to meet payroll and rent and mortgages and all the rest of the things that are necessary to keep a small business uh, afloat and going. Uh, But the more I listen, and I talked just a little bit about this uh, with uh, the congressman uh, about uh, how the community banks seem to be handling this better than the big banks like the regions and stuff and i'm a region bank uh you know user uh but know that the community banks uh, are are doing better in in meeting the needs of the small businesses uh to try to get this money and also if you are a small business owner and I know it's tough right now. I mean, I've heard the horror stories. I've talked to a lot of you. I know that you are are struggling and fighting to keep your head above water, especially you who are, you know, under uh, that 500 uh, employee uh, group. And maybe you've got 50 or maybe you've got 10 people who work for you. Uh, you right now are feeling like you're at the bottom of the pile with this this paperwork. But remember that the, the this whole thing didn't start until last Friday. So, you know, it, it's going to take a little bit of time uh, to get the bugs, so to speak, shook out of the program uh, and, and know that the president and the head of the Senate, McConnell, and the uh, the chairman, uh, the speaker of the house, over there in the uh, uh, the house, uh, Pelosi, are talking about uh, now uh, a, f- a fourth 
a fourth care package. Uh, though they're they're working it slowly, they they think that it will not be ready until probably end of April, beginning of May. But they feel like they've got to give enough time for this program that they phase three to get out and be used by businesses, be used by the banks to see how much, you know, the businesses are going to really need. Um, Right now, what they're seeing, it seems, is that it's going to be more money than they were anticipating. Uh, But there's people who are saying it's going to be less money than they were anticipating. So they need to get a better grip on that. Uh, as, and, and I'm going to try to get somebody on tomorrow to speak specifically uh, to this. And, and, and here's the hard thing. I mean, when you go to a gun range, uh, it's easy to hit the targets that are sitting right out in front of you and they don't move. But things are changing with this program, and so it's a moving target at times. So you got to know what you're shooting at and where you're shooting at to uh, be able to use it and use it in a way that's uh, going to uh, to help you as the business person you are. Just know, you know, look, what's happening now has never been done before, so there's a lot of unknowns yet that are still being uh, kind of sh- shaken out right now so keep that in mind uh, as you're out there working it but know that i know that you need information and i'm going to try to get people on that can get the information so tune in tomorrow uh, for sure uh, i would say in the seven o'clock hour we'll have J.R. davis in the six o'clock hour but tune in in the seven o'clock hour And I'll try to have somebody on here that can take your calls and answer you specifically about what uh, you need to do. Uh, That's all coming up tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show. Know that in the last hour, Duck and Joe are going to be here. So they're coming up. Right now, we got news coming your way. We'll get to it at 8 o'clock on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.
Live, it's the empty studio. You can see the cutout of our president. You can see Captain America in front of the American flag. Of course, the Trump 2020 banner, the uh, Israeli flag flying today, the Betsy Ross flag flying today. So uh, a lot going on as far as uh, if you're watching on uh, Facebook Live today. Hope that you are while you're doing your other stuff. Like Kenneth Wallace has said, I'm doing other stuff and watching what's going on, Dave. All right, so Joe and Duck are not in the studio. I'm not in the studio. Let me tell you that uh, Duck is down in the Benton Bryan area. Joe is out in the Romance. Uh, well, I take you back. You guys are probably at the shops right now. So uh, they're at their shops. Joe in North Little Rock, Duck down in Benton. I'm up in uh, Cabot and uh, Heidi, who runs all of this and tries to keep us going in the right direction, is in the studio there in uh, uh, Little Rock right next to the uh, Catholic Boys High School is where she's located. I won't tell you where. I'm not going to give you the opportunity to know exactly where you can go and and uh, meet with her, but she she is there doing her thing. Guys, good to have you with us again. It's been a week. How are, have, have things gotten any better, or are they worse, or what's happening? Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Who wants to go first, I Joe? So. I, I, I guess so. Duck, you want to go first? Hit it. Hey, it's it, you know, everything is, is still rolling along. It, the phone's not ringing near as much as it was. I still got all my guys, and I still got all my guys working. Um, you know, they all got some, something to do right at the moment. Who knows tomorrow? That's what I told them. We're taking it one day at a time. Do we figure out what's going? Yeah. You know, what's going to take place of all this? Okay. I'm kind of the same way. We're, we're we're busy, but we're not real busy. If you need your car service or worked on, that'd be a good time to do it. <laughs> There'll be no waiting line. That's for sure, right, Doug? That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Most of them you catching them as soon as they come in the door. But but there again, Joe, if you don't want to talk to us, you don't. You know, if you're afraid to come in or anything like that, I'm wiping all the doorknobs down all day long. I'm wiping the countertops down. I'm spraying, uh, you know, the stuff inside the office. You know, but you don't have to come in. You can walk up, fill out your form, drop your key in the box, and you know, drive off. And we'll call you when you, we get through with it, or figure out what's wrong. We'll call you and tell you. And, you know, you can pay with a credit card over the telephone and come by and pick it back up, and everything will be cool. All right. Well, I'm going to be, you know, Joe, i got to make a time for me to come over and get my oil changed. That's something i got to get done. I'm down at – I hit 30% yesterday, and that, yeah, like, sir. for me is like a red light in front of a bull. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I understand. Right, whenever you're ready, I'll be ready. All right. Yeah. I'll just call you and tell you which day. Sure, yeah. Just let me know. Uh, you, know uh, you, you could call in and do all your info over the phone and say you're dropping your car off, make an appointment or whatever. And and uh, you could put the key in the key drop the night before the appointment. And then that afternoon when it's ready, you can pay over the phone and we'll leave the car out for you and you can pick it up. And you never even have any contact with a human being to get your car worked on service at the bumper-to-bumper certified service center. Everybody is aware of what's going on. And participating in uh, 
the social distancing and, and whatever it takes to make it easy for you, that's where we're at on it. Right, Doug? Yeah, and, and another thing too, Joe, you know, we don't want to be sick no worse than no one else wants to be sick. And so we're trying to keep all our, our employees, you know, safe and, and, you know, make sure that they don't come in contact with nobody. You know, and that's what I tell my customer, you know, we're just being as safe as we can be to keep all this, you know, took care of us. You still, you still got to have a car, and if it's broke, it needs to be fixed, and you got to have transportation. So it's uh, important to remember that uh, if your car breaks down or won't start or something, you're not stranded right there. You can call, and we can get it towed in. The tow drivers are working, and, uh, you know, we can do all we need to do to get, to get your car fixed and back on the road. And, of course, Bumper to Bumper's got plenty of parts over there. Uh, we haven't found any shortage of parts delivery or parts uh, supply in any in any way, shape, or form. So the bumper to bumper guys are ready to. So yeah, tell them why bumper to bumper parts are so good. They got they got a warranty, don't they? Yeah, it's got it. We any bumper to bumper certified service center has got a two year, twenty four thousand mile warranty. But they got a warehouse over there with twelve, thirteen million dollars uh, worth of parts in them, and they actually that's the distribution center in Little Rock. They have one in. Louisiana, and they have one in uh, Missouri, too, so that's three of them. I'm not sure what the total is between them, but I'm sure it's way over $25 million worth of parts, and if they don't have it today, we can have it tomorrow from one of the other distribution centers. I know that you have always told me, and, Duck, you you have, too, that uh, very seldom do you guys have to even wait a day. Usually, by if you order in the morning, by late morning, those parts are to you guys. Yeah, no yeah, thing do they, they deliver to me at eleven o'clock every day from from the warehouse. So you know it, it makes it better. Okay, so your 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 workers tell you by a certain time I'm going to need this and need this so that you can get it in so that they can have it early for you and get your customers' cars and trucks ready. Yes, sir. You know, and, and the guys that deliver from bumper to bumper during their social distancing too, Dave. You know, we got yeah. a, a receiving counter where the parts come in. They put the part on the counter. Uh, they have a little iPad. We just take the end of a pencil. He holds the iPad, and we just put our initials on it, and out the door they go. So, actually, there's no human contact there other than you might get the pencil eight inches from another person's hand. Okay. So we're yeah. doing really good on that, and those guys are really, really good about that. So, and, and I wanted to say that so folks understand that, you know, parts delivery, you're going to have human contact, not necessarily. They put the part down, you do what you got to do, and then, you know, if we're, if, if depending on what part it is, how it is, we'll, 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 we'll spray it down with something, and then pick it up and give it to our guys. So we're working it real hard, right? So I might assume that you guys have uh, a good uh, amount of, uh, of spray there at uh, your uh, uh, your your uh, you know your businesses. You're using Lysol spraying down stuff. Well, we don't have as much as we used to have. <laughs> no, it's about all used up. I got you. And then finding more is going to be tough. It's 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 a well, it's a tough you commodity. scour your your you know you you scour your medicine cabinets and stuff and you find the rubbing alcohol and you mix it and you make it you find the bleach you mix it and you make it and and that's the way we've been doing it so, so going right. to a yeah, store we... and buying it is very difficult 
All right, guys, let's take our first break. And when we come back, I got a question for you about a 2013 Kia Rio LX four-cylinder 1.6 liter engine. That'll be your first. If you have a question and listen to the show, you call 823-0965, 823-0965. And uh, Heidi will get you set up on and hold. Let me know who's waiting to talk to Duck and to Joe, and then we'll call on you, and you can talk directly to you, uh, to them, and don't have to worry about getting sick in any way, shape, or form. 14 minutes after 8, the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about my good friends at PI Roofing. They don't want you to be worrying about your roof at this time. Uh, They can do a lot of the work about uh, what you need done at your house over the phone, uh, video conferencing type things. Uh, They are not only a roofing company but a general contracting company, so they can come in, and if you've had a a leak and you've got a bad area in your ceiling or on your wall, they can come out and fix it, and they're more prone to come out and fix it because they're small potatoes as far as that goes. They do great work, but, uh, you know, the big contracting groups, they want to do big jobs, not little jobs. Uh, The folks at PI Roofing will do those small jobs that are big jobs in your mind, because nobody likes to see, you know, your ceiling bubbling or anything like that or the wallpaper slowly coming off uh, your wall because you had a leak uh, in your roof. So just go to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. They can answer all the questions you have and take those worries right off of your mind. So you don't have to worry about it. you got enough to worry about right now. You don't need to be worrying about your roof or a stain on your ceiling or, you know, windows or gutters or whatever. They can take care of all of that at piroofing.com. Back with you, and Joe and Duck are here. Uh, Andrea sent us a question in about a 2013 Kia Rio LX four-cylinder 1.6 liter. And, guys, here's what they say. I just changed the timing chain, uh, chain, the water pump, the transmission fluid, the spark plugs, and oil in my Kia. Uh, it's going on. It was going on 100,000 miles. Thought it needed it to be done. I started to notice a vibration or humming noise when I released the gas at around 10 miles per hour, for instance, uh, in to stop and and <coughs> stop and go traffic. The sound is muffled, almost like when you drive over the white lines on the road. It lasts for about three seconds and then goes away. Sounds like it's coming from under the hood. Is this normal or what could it be? Any any answers for her, guys? Well, hey, I'm thinking here. Go ahead, Doug. You know, it could be it's got a motor mount down. It could be that, um, you know, it's it's one of them deals, Dave, where, you know, we need to get in and go for a ride to figure out what's going on with it. Right. I've seen the motor mounts go down and let get metal to metal and will cause kind of something like that. Um, she just needs to come by and let one of us go for a ride with her. Yeah, it could be, it could be a mount, could be an axle. You know, it could be something that got created in doing some of these other repairs. I think exactly. my first question, I do want to ask, uh, was it like this before you started doing this other stuff, or did it happen after that? Because, you know, sometimes you can have things that don't get properly tightened up and put back together properly and can cause some issues. So, 
Okay. I, I'd like to. I'm with Duck. Need to drive that car. Get a good feel for it. All right. That's one of those. Hey, ra- rattles, shakes, shimmies, uh, and all that. <laughs> you got to drive it to know what it is. Well, we can usually do a good job of that with a road test, determining whether you got, you know, a drivetrain problem or a mount problem or axle or transmission or whatever is going on with it. A road test gives us a lot of information just by sitting in it and driving. All right. How about James has got a 2011 Nissan Frontier Pro. It's a four-by. A uh, six-cylinder, four-liter. He says, I got a rough shifting problem going on. I'm experiencing a rough shift in my Frontier. It does not happen all the time. It seems to happen when I'm getting up to around 3,000 RPM. Then it shifts, and it does this kind of jerk. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. U-joints, differential, transmission, any thoughts that you might have? Well, we're back to another one of those there. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'd, first thing I'd ask him, are there any lights on in it? And, and, and if there is a trouble code light in there for something, it could be affecting the way the transmission performs. But you have to remember, transmission performance is based on... <clears throat> If the engine is not quite running properly or not doing everything it should, it's going to affect the way the transmission shifts. Uh, 2011 Nissan Frontier, I'd seriously be looking at uh, the fluid on that vehicle. They were notorious in those year models for getting uh, the cooler in the transmission, getting water in it into the transmission and damaging the transmission control module because it's in the transmission. And uh, there's two or three things there need to be looked at real close. Right, Doc? Yeah, and another thing, too, Joe, uh, he needs to go by and, you know, just let one of us go drive it. it. You know, the problem is probably when he comes to see me or you one, it won't ever mess up. Then he'll leave the office and it'll mess up time he gets to the corner. But, like you say, if it has a check engine light on, it's going to tell it. If it's got something wrong with the motor, that'll cause it to do a long shift pattern. Because it has to get, you know, it's not got enough because it, it – the shift is all done by the computer, the engine computer and the transmission computer. That's what makes it shift. You know, it's not like you used to when you had the modulator valve and stuff like that on it. But he uh, needs to come by and let one of us go for a ride with him, put put the scanner on it and look at it, and then go for a ride with it, you know, with the scanner on it. Okay. And see if, see if it's commanding it to shift when it's supposed to or see if it's not commanding it to shift. All right. Yeah, so you can, okay, go ahead. I said, you know, you've got some, most of these vehicles today have what they call a mass airflow sensor. And you get a rough transmission shift just because the mass airflow sensor is not reading properly. And sometimes it won't set up because it's based off load, how much air is flowing in the engine and, and the volume and the temperature. And if that, and, and it's a barometric pressure sensor too, it works from the top of the Rocky Mountains to sea level, but. If that thing's out of whack and it's giving a signal, but it's not the right signal, air density's wrong and stuff like that, it can make a transmission lag and shift hard. And sometimes just cleaning the mass airflow sensor will take care of a lot of the drivability problem. And and, and I, I would be looking in that area, too, if it didn't have any codes in it. So. 
All right, it's 8.26. We've got uh, uh, Sean Hannity coming up at the bottom of the hour, leading us into that uh, before we get to the next uh, half hour. If you have a question for Joe or Duck, 823-0965. That's the number to call. And, uh, you know, they'll be happy to answer your question. I'll tell you that in the next half hour, uh, the first question I have is from Sheila, who has a 2013 Chevy Express 2500 LT, 8-cylinder, 6-liter engine. And she asked this question, and I bet you a lot of people out there have the same question. What is a timing belt? What does it do? Why do I have to change it? Yeah, we're going to let you guys talk about that uh, when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Plus, one of my favorite cars uh, in the last 10 years, uh, Chad has got a 2005 Pontiac Grand Am SE six-cylinder. I like the Grand Am that Pontiac made, but uh, don't make it anymore because Pontiac doesn't exist. But he's got a question about his Grand Am, and guys, we'll get to those. Uh, when we come uh, we come back we got about a minute and a half let's give some bad news right now i know people don't like to hear bad news but here's this is not the baddest news you could hear but as far as i'm concerned hurts my heart uh may 30th was supposed to be the bumper to bumper car show it has been canceled for this year uh we've got a couple of minutes guys for you to talk about it well, yeah, it's, it's it's saddened our heart that we're not going to be able to have that car show, and and uh, because of everything that's going on, Dave. But you know, it really bothers me more that we're not going to be able to donate that money to the Ronald McDonald House. That's and that right. Charity's going to miss out, and you know they probably need that money really bad right now. So mm-hmm. Many folks are in the hospital. Yeah, I I agree. The Ronald McDonald House needs every penny that they can get, and uh, the thousands, a few thousand dollars that we give, uh, you know, goes a long way. They can turn it into a lot more than what we give, and uh, we've been doing that for over a decade now. And it's uh, it's it's well, they they get to the point now that. You know, they're waiting for it when it shows up, and uh, we're not going to be able to show up with it this year. And that bothers me, but it is what it is, and not much that we can do about it. But we'll be back bigger than ever next year with the Car and Truck Show out at the Conway Expo Center. And uh, I'm going to push really hard uh, that we have 200 cars the next time that we have the car show. We were getting close. I think we can do that. All right, guys, you guys, sit, you guys sit back and relax, and uh, we're going to hear from Sean Hannity, and then we come back and we'll talk about this 2013 uh, Chevy Express and these this 2005 Pontiac Grand Am and any questions that our listeners might have at 823-0965. But right now, from uh, 101.1 FM, to the Sean Hannity show. Let's see what Sean has in his morning uh, espresso for us here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Here's Sean Hannity for you right now. We continue on the Dave Ellswick show, 70 degrees outside, looking for a high. Are you ready for this? Under sunny skies, 87 Degrees Tonight, uh, some possible severe thunderstorms as cold front moves through, low of 55. Tomorrow, cooler, uh, mostly cloudy, 
And the high tomorrow will be what the, what the temperature is right now, 70 degrees. Joe and Duck are with us. If you got a car or, or a, a, you know, a diesel question, pickup question, whatever, here's your opportunity, 823-0965, 823-0965. Just tell Heidi who you are, what year your car is, and uh, she'll get you set up and ready to come on the air. Sheila sent us a question. Has a 2013 Chevy Express 2500 LT 8-cylinder 6-liter engine. And, hey, I like this question because she just admits I don't know that much about cars. So what is a timing belt? When should I change my timing belt on my car? And how do I replace the timing belt? That's a seriously good question, Guy. Uh, Guys, I'll I'll let you uh, deal with it. Well, Dave... Go ahead, Doug. Well, the the six liter don't have a timing belt. It's got a timing chain. Okay. And most of the, most of them will run three hundred thousand miles nowadays before you have any trouble out of them because they put a double roller timing chain in it with a tensioner on it that keeps all the slack out of it, so it don't wear everything out. Um, now, timing belt, yes, there's some. There's still some vehicles run the timing belt, and they need to be changed somewhere between. Sixty and 100,000 miles and you look at your book and see when they recommend changing them. Uh, but that's part of maintenance, Dave, on timing belts. But luckily, hers don't have a timing belt, does it, Joe? No, it don't. You know, your your maintenance schedule on a timing belt depends on, yeah, like you said, what manufacturer it is. And, you know, even if you don't have that many miles on it, say you don't drive the car very often, it is a seven-year uh, time frame. So anything, if it gets to the mileage before it gets to the time or it gets to the time before it gets to the mileage, it needs to be replaced because it is a maintenance item. And, yeah, and they will crack and come apart. Yeah, most of those when we do the belts, we do the water pumps also because it's overlapping labor, right? Yeah, because that's what runs the water pump on most of them is the timing belt. And, and it's a good idea to do what we call a uh, timing belt component kit. It comes with the belt, the water pump, the tensioners, the idlers. When we inspect the uh, the cam and crank seals, if they're leaking, we replace them at the same time and try and give you a package deal to where it'll go again for another 80, 90, 100K or seven years without any trouble. So your maintenance schedule stays the same on it. So. And but it's basically not, what a timing ball does, yeah, go ahead. it keeps the valves in time with the pistons. And, and on some engines, if the belt breaks, it's not just it's going to quit running. It's going to damage the valves in the head because there is interference where the the, the piston comes up and the valve is open, and it'll hit that valve and bend it, and, and that can do severe engine damage and cause your repair to go up four or five times over what it uh, normally would be if you did your timing belt at this required maintenance schedule. Yeah, bottom line, it's not the cheapest repair that you can have done with your car. Something to think about before you do it is how much longer are you going to be driving that car, right, guys? Yeah, it, it, it's a necessity is what it is. You can't yeah. you can't keep driving it without doing it, can you, Doug? No, and, and, and another thing, too, Joe, it is an expensive deal if you have to go and put a timing belt in. You know, but the deal is, if you're going to put a time belt in it, make sure you put the components go along with it. You know, like you said, the tensioner, the guides, the belt, the water pump, and everything. Because you can buy that kit through bumper to bumper, and it all comes in one kit. 
and it makes it a whole lot easier for my guys to put it on because they look at the kit and know they're going to replace everything in it. Which brings me up to not only uh, as far as the water pump goes. I mean, I, I've replaced the timing belts in my car. They had to pull, drop out the engine to be able to do it. Uh, but it's one of the reasons why I'm so so anal about my oil changes is that the oil uh, pressure inside my engine goes a long way to how well my timing belts work, correct? Well, on your vehicle, Dave, your, yours is a chain-driven engine, so and, and that's internally lubricated. So you're exactly right. If you have a chain-driven engine, you need to stay on top of your oil maintenance because that's the life of the timing chain, the guides, and the tensioners in there. Uh, sludging up and low oil pressure and, uh, uh, you know, if you get lack of lubrication going up to the camshafts because low on oil or ain't been changed like it should, those cams will try and bind up and it'll break the chains and tear the tensioners and the guides up on it, Doug. And also eat the heads up, too. You, you know, Most of your overhead cams don't even have cam bearings no more. They run straight into the aluminum head or the steel head, either one. And if that cam ever don't get enough oil, it's going to go and stick to it, and then it's going to eat the head up. Exactly. And then, and, and, and then you're back really, into high-dollar fixing. You betcha. So, All right. We're going to get to... It's very important. All right. Chad has a 2005 Pontiac Grand Am SE six-cylinder uh, 3.4 liter uh, doesn't say how many miles. He says, here's the short story. I came out after making several stops one day earlier in the week, turned the key, and everything went dead. It flatlined. But there was still power to the lights, etc. We tried to jump it. Still nothing. I tried several things, but nothing seems to work. My roommate has worked on cars for years and has been trying to fix it. We took the battery to a big box store, and they tested it on their machine and said it tested even better than rated. We checked all the possible fuses that could be related to the car starting, and they are good. We swapped out the starter relay with a similar matching fuse and still nothing. Figured it was a starter as there was no clicking, as one would expect with an alternator issue. Replaced the starter. Still nothing. Uh, auto guy says, and he they went to a parts store, uh, said he thought it could be the ignition switch, which made some sense. We replaced that, and still nothing changed. Remain dead. I'm pretty much at the end of my rope. Any ideas, any solutions, guys? Uh, that's uh, from uh, Chad. That's a, that was a pretty long list of stuff, guys. A pretty good story there. Go ahead. O five model. O five. Key recognition problem. Yep, that's what I was fixing to say. Yeah, got a security issue, Dave. The key's okay. probably uh, well, it's fifteen years old. I bet the keys wore down into the brass. He replaced the electrical part of that ignition switch, but there's still a skim module back there. When you put that key in there, it's reading uh, the resistance off that key. And if it doesn't recognize that key, it's not going to let the engine crank. All the lights and everything will come on. And that is a pretty simple test because, you know, if you go by the parts places around town and they do a code test on it, they're not going to be able to get in there and see if it's got any security code. Most of those code readers won't do that. Basically, engine transmission, 
maybe ABS and the airbag is all you're going to get from a code reader at a parts place. But if you bring it into a bumper-to-bumper certified service center, or we don't have just code readers. We have really live scanners, and we're going to be able to access every module on that. But I'll be willing to bet you from the age of that and the description and everything he's changed, it's going to be a key recognition there. What do you think, Doug? I, that was my first thought when he said he it wouldn't do nothing, and he went to replace and stuff. I guarantee you it's got it's got key problems because it's 15 years old. The keys wore out. Uh, you know, uh, it needs to. It's going to have to have a new key and be programmed. What's going to have to have to get repaired? You know, if he had a spare key like in in his house or something that never got used. He could stick that key in there and try that, but he should have done that before they replaced the ignition switch because now that he's done that, he's going to have to have a relearn done on it and program, I promise you. Yep. Now, there's some self-relearns out there where it's uh, 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, cycle the key off, back on 10 minutes. It takes 30, 40 minutes to do that, doesn't it, Doug? And if you oh, miss yeah, every bit of that. a result, you know? And, and that's providing that it works on the first time, Joe. How many times we did it on it take two or three times to do it? Absolutely. I would rather go in there and do it with, with, with my scanner than I would to take the time to do it that way, you know. But, you know, he could he could still try that if he was, you know, didn't want to uh, get a locksmith out there or have it towed into a repair shop. But that's his only option. He could try it, and if it didn't work, then get it towed in, and we can take care of it for him. Yeah. All right. All right, got to get a break in. Final break for this edition of a Wednesday uh, meeting of minds with Joe and Duck here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You've got to call uh, with your question, 823-0965, Got a new question for you when we come back. Another car that I like because I had a G6 Pontiac with a hard top convertible. Uh, I don't know if this is a convertible or not. But it's a 2007 Pontiac G6 GT, six-cylinder, 3.5-liter engine. Uh, We'll talk about it with Joe and Duck, uh, your uh, bumper-to-bumper certified service uh, uh, area group uh, mechanic shops. They'll take good care of you. I'll give you their numbers when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back for the final 10 minutes of the show on this Wednesday of the Dave Ellswick Show. It's hump day, over-the-hill day, and we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And James has got a 2007 Pontiac G6 GT six-cylinder, 3.5-liter. He says, I recently replaced the rack and pinion on my 07 Pontiac G6 GT. The unit itself works great, but... I can't get the hoses to connect properly. I've tried multiple gaskets to go onto the hose and then slide into the rack and pinion, but no matter what, it leaks, and it leaks a lot. Any thoughts? Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on that. The quality (laughs) of the part he put in, whether or not it's the right part, whether or not it's an installation issue. You know, cross-traded it. That question. We're going to have to see that, aren't we, Doug? Ain't, ain't no other way but to see it. That's see what's it. going on. One of the three. You, you either got a wrong part, you got a wrong, a bad installation, or you've got some type of uh, 
error going on there with the way it's installed. And, and you know, hey, you could sit here and speculate on that 20 different ways, and you know. I don't get the, how he says it works fine other than it just leaks. Well, you know, it could just be the hose is leaking. Why did he put the rack in it? Was it because it was leaking to begin with? Maybe it has the same leak, you know? Yeah, it could be the rubber part of the hose just running down, and that's where it's dripping off at. That's it. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, that's all. It's all uh, you're going to have to put hands on that and eyeball. It's what you're going to have to do, right, Doug? Yeah, there's no other way but to look at it and feel it, and you know, and stuff like that to make sure where it's coming from. All right, guys. How about Jamie, who has a 2010 Kia Forte F, or pardon me, EX four cylinder. Two liter. Uh, he says, "Why won't my car crank? I had both windows left down while I was out of town for two weeks. There were uh, some huge storms during the time I was away. I cranked the car and got a weird noise in the center from the engine side of the firewall. I turned the car off. The dash lights and the radio came on, but the car would not crank." When you turn the key, the car doesn't click or make any sounds at all. I raised the hood, and there was a burning plastic, not rubber smell, coming from around the fuse box, I think. But I'm not positive. Any idea what the problem could be? I have one word for that. Water. Yep. Yep. What is that? You're not... You know, what he's smelling is the magic smoke, Dave. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know, and, and these cars today, they have modules in them, but some of them are located between the seats, and you can have an airbag module there. Some of them have modules located underneath the seats. If it rained in it and it got in the dash, you've got uh, what they call totally integrated power modules there. You've got ECMs. Uh, it, it's something that's gotten wet. I feel pretty confident about that. And, you know, when you turn the key, if it's full of water and, and hots go to grounds, grounds go to hots, you may hear popping and crackling and sizzling, and then that burning smell, because that magic smoke has left. It's, it's, it's gone. Something, you know? Yeah. And let me tell everybody, when the magic smoke goes away, it's not like you can buy magic smoke and put it back in. <laughs> no, the magic I mean, smoke gets real expensive. <laughs> it sure does. Gets really expensive. You don't want magic smoke, that's for sure. All right, final question for you guys. Smoke. Go ahead. Go ahead. If we, if we could buy magic smoke, me and Duck would have a big tanker full of it. <laughs> In a heartbeat. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let me give you your final question today. We're going to go back a little bit. Uh, Saturday, you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, David was on from Affordable with Joe, and and we were asking questions about cars that hadn't even been made. Uh, they were all made before David was even born, so he <laughs> he was at a loss with us. And we got one like that, but you guys, both of you, have been around long enough that you'll remember this. Danny asked about a 1999 GMC Sierra 1500 SLE. It's an 8-cylinder, 5.3-liter. Here's the, the question. I've lost a power. When I turn the vehicle on, it shakes and does not want to drive more than 35 miles an hour. I'll shut off the vehicle, and it normalizes after a while and is drivable for some time. What could be the problem? Bet you guys have heard about this one before. It's a 99 GMC, and he says when he first starts it cold, it doesn't run very well. 
No. And after he runs it for a little bit, it gets better. That's right. It normalizes, he says. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm thinking that age of that, I, I, it's probably a fuel-related issue. What do you think, Doug? That's the first thing I'd want to do is check the fuel pressure on it. Yeah. It, you know, he's what? probably never had a fuel pump put in it, and it's probably weak. Probably low fuel pressure, and that'll make it do all kind of weird stuff, as you know, Joe. Well, yeah, it's got it's got to run it's got to run it's got to have the most fuel it's going to need on the startup when it's cold, and then yep. as it runs and warms up, it leans out. So if you got a a, a pump that's weak pressure wise, volume wise, it's going to run like crap until the engine builds a little temperature in it, and then it starts leaning that mix out. But a weaker pump will run a truck when it's at normal operating temp pretty good, but it won't run it worth a hoot when it's cold, will it, Doug? Nope. Because it takes more fuel when it's cold to run it than it does when it gets up to up to a closed loop. You know, when it goes in closed loop, which is around one hundred sixty degrees. And 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 you know you you got a you got about ten other things that could come into play there too. But judging by the age of it and the engine size, I'm gonna, I'd be looking right there at that first thing. Check that fuel pressure. Ninety nine mile, it could have a fuel filter that stopped up. And 05 is when they stopped putting them on there. But anything less than 04 and back had a fuel filter on it. And I wonder if he's ever changed that. Yeah. Yeah, you guys don't know. Yeah, well, you guys have don't know what kind of preventive maintenance this car has had, and all of the things that you're mentioning are things that preventive maintenance would probably have caught, and people don't understand that sometimes. Well, it it, it, you know it, it. it's maintenance is maintenance, and, you know, if it's got a filter, it's made to be changed. Yeah. It's not a lifelong filter. They don't make nothing like that, you know. Now, nothing lasts forever, as you like to say, Joe. That's well, another thing, too, another thing, too, Dave, you know, the fuel we're getting nowadays is not near as good as it used to be. You know, it's you know all fuel's got trash in it, and if you don't got a good filter system, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess up. It's going to stop it up. Yeah, it's something to keep in mind, and you should be listening to this show every Wednesday and listening to the car and truck doctors on Saturday because they'll name places at times where they're having f- problems with the fuel that they're dispensing, and you want to, and especially if you got a, a a diesel, you need to avoid them like the plague. Yes. You're betcha. Absolutely. All right. Guys, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you being with us. Uh, again, for our listeners, don't forget that the the car and truck uh, show that was coming up on the 30th from Bumper to Bumper and the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers will not happen this year. We'll be back bigger and better in 2021. Guys, have a great afternoon and uh, stay you, well and stay uh, healthy out there, okay? Thank yes, you, Dave. Sir. Thank you, Dave. All right, we'll see you all later. Uh, we got news coming up top of the hour. Then we've got uh, uh, Gallagher coming on. Hannity will, or not Hannity, but Rush will follow uh, behind Gallagher, then Hannity, uh, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening in the world. This is a station where you know you'll get a conservative look at the world around you. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll see you tomorrow at uh, 6 a.m. I hope to have some special guests on from the SBA and a tax person as well to talk about those uh, checks that are coming in for individuals. I'll be working on that today. 
If I can make it happen, I will. Thank you to our good folk back at the station. Heidi, you did a great job, as you always do. We'll talk to you tomorrow as well, 6 a.m. Dave Ellswick Show. Bye-bye now.